Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Whoa, you're very enthusiastic. <laughs> wow. Steven's here. Hey, Steven. Yeah, I'm so excited. After that wonderful intro, I'm so psyched. <laughs> Everyone, quick, quick, drink your coffee, Jonah. Sorry, I, w- I don't know. I was trying to put a different vibe out there. Can we call you Electro Steven? Yeah, man. Because yeah, when I take Steve. down the notes, when you do the podcast remotely like this, I call you Steven Skype, and I realize that's kind of lame. So, yeah, I, they could, we'll come up with something. <clears throat> Electro Steven. Captain Electron, that comes to mind. That's pretty good. And Steven then, Skype kind of sounds like a superhero. I know it does. It sounds cool, but then it's giving too much props to Skype. Yeah, that's Skype, true. which isn't that good of a service, <laughs> to be honest. You're okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, live via remote. Yeah. I'm, I'm like so unappreciative. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks for creating this thing that lets us virtually talk to that's, our friends. That's free. That's free. That's free. I don't know. I just don't think it's that great. I think it should be better. It's 2016. There should be a better free streaming service. Yeah, there is Google Hangouts. Hangouts. So yeah. Try Why don't we try that? Right now, switch over? Well, no. Here we go. set up with dumb Skype. <laughs> I mean, if Google's so good, how come they couldn't get their their glasses to work? I mean, seriously. That's true. Although I think like those big tech companies, like they always have ideas. Even Apple and stuff have ideas that just don't work. My favorite Google idea was, uh, is, is still, we're going to scan every book. Yeah. Yeah. What happened existence. with that? They're still doing and it. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> they're doing it. They've got legal issues, but they're, they, they're trying to get through the legal issues and they're just, they're continuing to scan as... I think it's great. I mean, I wonder how that show works. I was talking to um, our our podcast buddy and friend uh, Justin Pierre from from uh, the the now late Motion City soundtrack, um, and I was telling him how like I got I got your last record at the library, and he had that <laughs> he had that awesome reaction of cool. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so much because, for you know, that you're, royalty. You're, you're an artist. You record a record. <laughs> the library gets it. <laughs> I had it for, you know, a good month and then I, I returned it. Did you rip it? Someone else can have it. <laughs> and that's just like, it's, he was like, I wonder how, who, what, how did, who gets that? And then, then, then my brain starts going with the legal ramifications of what label has like the library license guy, like who gets that dumped on their desk? <laughs> I think that you should be able to like take music out from the library, but only in vinyl form. I feel like I feel like when I was in college, I was dealing with the library, and they, I was like up. I was trying to get this job where you picked out what music they stocked. Like really? I think 
Yeah, I'm having the a school weird, library or the my real college library? library. Oh, okay. I think they were like, we don't know what kind of music to order, and I was basically like, <laughs> I do. just order all these records I want, and then I can just add, like rip them all or hardcore. Yeah, I think I really had this. Guy. I think this may have almost happened. <laughs> what? It would have been a very niche selection at like the, the Ithaca College Library. Jonah's college fantasy. Yeah, mine involved. Why are there all these college Gigi Allen imports? <laughs> my college fantasy involved a whole different uh, thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> but but was it something you could get in the library? Mm. No, I tried, but it's <laughs> <laughs> oh. a small library, Risty. <laughs> <Ba-doom>. <laughs> well, do you think that we'd be able to find Kevin Divine records in the library? Maybe. Well, good segue. I wonder Thank if you. we'd be able to find his new album, Instigator, which just came out. Just came out. Uh, yeah, Kevin Divine returned to the podcast um, with me and Benny this week. And we talked about his new album, Instigator. And we talked a about lot, it. right? Like the whole podcast is. So, so he basically didn't mention his new record at all. That's why I'm mentioning <laughs> it now. And uh, we talked about. We mostly talked about police, and he has a lot of of cops in his family, and he there's a song about it on the record. So we, yeah, we talked about Staten Island cops, Kevin's life. I probably said some stuff about like the world ending. Uh, and yeah, we didn't talk that much about his record, but I want to say that I've been listening to it and it's it's really good. He, I mean, I feel like Kevin's put us out like so many, he's like such a prolific dude. It's hard to he's know. Just, he's just such a solid songwriter. You yeah. Know what I mean? And, uh, but yeah, this record is great. It's like a good mix of like heavier stuff and more mellow stuff. So the record's great. I wanted to make sure that came across since like, we got kind of wrapped up in this convo and didn't talk about that much, which you're probably used to if you listen to this podcast. The record is great. Instigator. Buy it now. Yes. Cops are okay sometimes. Yes. Cops are okay sometimes. Especially if you're getting robbed. <laughs> okay, let's start this podcast before we say something we have to roll regret someday. Uh, here is Kevin Devine on Going Off Track. But yeah, I, anyway, it doesn't matter. I was just, he's, he's, he was a Brooklyn guy. He's an LA guy now, as is what happens to half yeah. the Brooklyn people. Normal migrate. They want, the older you get, I feel like your ability to withstand the oh. colds of winter uh, yeah. get maybe a little tougher. I think so. And everyone I go out there and visit, they have that, like, if they don't run fleeing, they have that, like, that glow. <laughs> that like they're kind of like and they're just a little slower and everything's a little like yeah you should really come out here but i feel like i I don't think i would agree with it like in in, in a law i like visiting there i don't think i could really be there yeah i feel the same way i it's funny we land on pizza because dude we can land on pizza all day interesting because like I knew you were like you're like a lifelong New Yorker, and you never left. outer borough New Yorker. Yes, that's yeah. right. No, we don't make that distinction around here. <laughs> New York is New York. I'm not one of these bougie. Good. Manhattan I mean, I know people, that about you. you. Know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm from New Jersey, which means all of your boroughs hate me. <laughs> so, like, I understand that concept. But I did even write down on my notes my curiosity <laughs> Talk as about to pizza. your favorite, like, like pizza bagel mm. and cold and hot sandwich like all now are you talking location or food stuff itself it's got to be i'd say new york city proper within oh, so the it's five... like you want to know like a place yeah and actually anyone wants to know place. your actual you want your his actual order 
No, well, yeah, That's, I want I want to know spot. I feel like this is going to be really disappointing. Not I, for them, for you. I want to know spot <laughs> and order. Okay. Well, start with slice. Slice. Currently, uh, pizza wagon in Bay Ridge, eighty okay. sixth and fifth. And you're living in Bay Ridge. I'm living in Bay Old Ridge. School Italian, so it's probably yeah. That place is good. Probably that place is legit. Good. I mean, it's like a little greasy. It's a little, but I I don't know. It's what it's supposed to be. It's a okay. slice place. Um, and they execute it well. I used to like this place, Vesuvio, and I went there recently, and it's like quality went down. I thought so. I mean, I don't want to blast them on and you know very visible podcasts, but it is <laughs> it's true. It was like all oil, not enough sauce. Mm. And I used to go there since I was. I mean, I've been going there for thirty years. Okay, on so and this off is in Staten Island. It's in Bay Ridge. Oh, I was okay. born in Bay Ridge. I lived there till I was twelve, eleven or twelve. And then uh, moved to Staten Island in 1990. Okay. Um, on Staten Island, it's literally called Goodfellas, but that's a good spot. <laughs> that's the good spot. I there. mean, that's insane, but that's true. Uh, and then, but there's a place called Pete's Pizzeria in Bay Ridge, and that's a place where I will go and get a potato and egg hero with marinara sauce mm. occasionally. And they make it really well. Their oh, well. pizza's meh, but that is right. really, really good. Yeah. People, I, th- I feel like people discredit like a pizza place for their sandwich quality depends. when more often than not your local pizza place is going to make a far better sandwich than the sandwich place i think that that in my experience when it's right it's right i it's mean better bread. yeah i guess i never think about that but i feel like i always go get chinese food and everyone's ordering like fried chicken Right. And totally. I'm like, this is weird. I would never think of getting this here, but there it are, seems to be the only thing they sell. <laughs> there are numerous places where you could go get that tailored just to that. Yeah. But no, that in Bay Ridge, that's definitely true. Yeah. I feel like the most, and I don't, I was just going to enter into something that I actually don't, it would be bullshit because I don't know if I'm right. But there are a lot of Chinese food places in Bay Ridge as there's been a rising Middle Eastern contingency in Bay Ridge population wise you know um larger slice of the pie and a lot of the chinese places now also offer like halal friendly menu okay and i noticed that they sell a lot of chicken through that these are just observations i have no (laughs) idea about the cultural basis of any of this makes a little sense to me because there would be i'm glad because i was worried parts of china (laughs) that would be like mm-hmm. potentially followers of Islam, mm-hmm. or at well, China's least, a big place, or at a least lot of people bordering. You know, the southern yeah. parts, the Mongolians. I, I'd assume there's a level of that population. This just that got runs. elevated. This whole yeah, this is really this is well, I mean, intelligent but there, conversation but about fried chicken. To that, like, like no, culture I think that's probably and food true. is like such a such a, an important thing, and like Central it's thing. actually come to the forefront a lot for me recently because of like being caught up in immigration debates mm-hmm. and maybe you can even mention it being like an old irish new yorker right <laughs> yes like well, increasingly old yeah. still irish Kevin came over on dallas yeah. island <laughs> Crossed over. a lot of people don't know that about you yeah. the yankees put a gun in his hand and just... <laughs> i was kevin o'devon and they, they cut the o off and said it's divine here um but i but I, I find that interesting like the the ties with like because what is like American food? Right. Like truly American food. Just barbecue is the only thing I can think mm-hmm. of that's like ours. Like we invented the style. We definitely and we perpetuated it and it's moved throughout the world. Yes. And we definitely also have refiltered a lot of other foods through our thing. Right. And it's like, you know, obviously. 
the Chinese food we're talking about isn't isn't what sure. people eat in China, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I, touching on your immigration thing, this and this loosely connects to food. I can say Bay Ridge is a really interesting and a bad way place right now, specifically in this moment right now, culturally around all of that. Because as this, well, it's just growing pains. I hope it's growing pains and not just pains, but it's as that community has grown in Bay Ridge, a lot of the Irish Italian people that have been there forever are aging out and the there's like a lot of cultural insensitivities clashing in ways that are very i was in a diner i was ordering sandwiches it was like a week after my daughter was born and it was apparently like the day that they had done the graduation or whatever it is for the police academy at madison square garden okay so this guy was getting food he was telling he knew the woman working at the counter and he was telling her she's like how's today oh it's great my kid was graduating from the academy. Oh, great. Did you go to the thing? I did. And in like, it was like chess masters and in four moves in public got to, but you know, when de Blasio started talking, they all stood up and turned their backs and I was turning my back with them. And I'm uh, kind of like, I just want to get the fuck out uh, of here with my here sandwiches. You know, my kid is nine days old. Yeah. I'm trying to, and then, uh, the lady at the counter said, Oh, I'm, you know, I would be right there with you. And I, within seconds, the guy went to, all I know is they keep saying the crime statistics are down, but a bunch of them are living in my building and the cops had to come break them apart because they thought it was a sleeper cell. And I'm like, first of all, I'm, I, I know you, he thinks he's in like, is it Tom Clancy, Jack Clancy? I don't know who. Tom. Who, yeah. This yeah. dude thinks he's in that that world and right. that story i'm like and, and these kids are not, i mean they're just kids they're doing the same dumb shit that the irish and italian kids were doing there right. 30 40 years ago sure. but um and then it became this very and then that's the same diner that has like a trump thing in the window and um which is a lot out in bay ridge more than you would like to think in a place no, in new I, york i can um, i can imagine it i mean like that population i thought funny you say that just a couple weeks ago I had a very similar situation with a guy from South Brooklyn. I yeah. saw him at the Jersey Shore. We're having very pretty, you know, how's the weather kind of conversation. Which like, is all I really want to like, have at yeah, that All that good, level. you know, yeah. cool with me. And something came up. And before I know it, he's doing the same thing. He's going, oh, you know, but the difference is with the Italians, like, we came here, we assimilated, we did this, we did that. And I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm the same as you. I I had a kid this year too, which has I led know me that. That's down awesome. the wormhole often of like, I don't give a shit. Like I have way more important things Pressing to do immediate. than fucking like get into it with you and not even begin to change your mind. Right, like, so right, right. You know, so if it's a Sisyphean task and it's not going to happen anyway, have a good day. Yeah, right, I'm going right, to go right, have right. my good day, you right. know, usually. And I couldn't think of it at the time. And I'm like walking away from the conversation going like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've seen a little Italy. <laughs> yeah, of course, everywhere. In, like, in, in every major city in America, little Italy. This is our part of town. Like literally I can't, I grew up with tons of Italian Americans down where I lived in central Jersey. Grew up with fucking Italian flag decals, still Italian parades, the Zeppeli Day parade, which yeah. I always went to, of course, because sausage, sausage and pepper <laughs> yeah. sandwiches, that's right, and Zeppeli. I'm no hater on this, but that's because I love immigrants and their food. 
Like, I want Italian food. I want Mexican food. Right. I want Middle Eastern food. I want all of it. I also and think... And I guess this is all tying around to how, like, food... Well, thank you for tying back to the food thing. I think my thing only t- connected to food because I was in a diner. Well, maybe, <laughs> like I said, I mean, maybe stay the fuck yeah. out of the Trump That's, diner. That, 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 yeah. He owns well, that diner, actually. <laughs> yeah. This is diner. why I just don't leave my apartment. Yeah, ever. it's fair enough, too. Seamless <laughs> works home. great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You never have to talk to anyone. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how do you think, like, you... Because sort of on the new record, you talk about having a lot of cops in your family, which yes. is something I didn't know. I mean, how do you think that sort of figures into maybe your reaction to this kind of stuff or sort of the way you're kind of formed your opinion on it? About these conversations? About, about these conversations? About, <laughs> yeah, about, about how, what kind of pizza you like? No, about like, about like the de Blasio no. stuff yeah. or about, I guess, just like all the tension right now. Yeah. I, I mean, my, yeah, I do come from like... That the song you're talking about is very literally written. So even just saying this out loud, it's like saying the same exact words that are in the song. <laughs> it's not very poetic in that way. That song. But my father was a cop. His dad was a cop. Two of my uncles were cops. My two cousins are currently cops. My brother's ex-wife was a cop. You know, like it. I mean, without thinking very hard, nine or ten, very and very immediate. Your father's about as immediate. Yeah, you know. Sure. Um. And then you get into punk music. You're like 12. I mean, and not even punk music. I I was 12 and I got into Nirvana, which was getting into like NSYNC or the Beatles. They were a punk band, but they were totally independently of your family. Uh, My older brother gave me, I think my older brother played me Nevermind, but I saw the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit on MTV like every other 12 year old kid and was like, holy shit. Um, But. But, Those goffy cheerleaders are hot. Or just like, oh, these dudes look weird. Yeah, totally. And you look back now, you're like, those were like kind of like model <laughs> yeah. level. But anyway, and and also, well, whatever. It's I would just think of the Weird Al one where they have like, all armpit hair. I would, dude, in fact, in my mind just now, that's what I saw. Me too. I was and like, then were I, they hot? And I was like, oh, no, they were. And then I wondered if that was from that video. Yeah. But But anyway, he had a sticker on one of his guitars and it said, vandalism as beautiful as a rock in a cop's face and i remember being like why would someone want to throw a rock in my dad's face like what what's wrong with cops and that was the first little inquiry of Mm -hmm. like into i don't these words weren't being used and this level of thought wasn't being applied but like abuse of power and and armor yeah yeah exactly and um, <laughs> so I was just thinking about something about this weird out. I had uh, yeah, tell us, I, tell I, us. my cousin had a bumper sticker that said "Bad Cop No Donut," <laughs> and I remember being like being a kid and seeing it and being like, "You should put this on your car." <laughs> and then being like, "Dude, I can't put this on my car." Like, no, it's funny, you totally, <laughs> dude. And looking back and being, he's probably like, "Why would I put this on my car?" <laughs> That's awesome. Um. Well, anyway, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, that was the first, I guess, asking questions about that. And And did you start, like, inquiring to, like, your own father? Like, I mean, my dad was in internal affairs. Uh, I think he had some. I also am sure if I, this is where it gets into, I was more concerned with that song about, this is how inverted my uh, view of the world is. It should probably be the other way. But I was more worried about like what the six people in my family that were going to listen to the record were going to sure. think about it than the like potentially however many people will hear the record in the world. Millions. Millions. It's going to be like a multi-platinum. Yeah. It's 1994. <laughs> but, uh, but I 
I was. I was genuinely concerned. And, and even as I'm about to say this, I am as well. I feel like I, I, I don't remember having those. I think I, I must have had some of those conversations with my father. I remember talking to my dad about the spectrum on which cops behave and that as an internal affairs cop, his job was, I remember him describing his job to me essentially in terms of like, I'm not very popular in, in the fraternity there because essentially the IA cop is the cop that's like keeping track of the behavior of other cops. I was going to ask that. I have no idea what that means. It's like embarrassing because I watch so much law and order. No, it's, I mean, I I am speaking loosely to it and it's more embarrassing. You're watching law and order. Do you know who... (laughs) your dad's character is on Law and Order? I don't. I don't know. Is, okay. I don't know. Internal they probably bring and IA in every Serpico once in a while. Yeah. Internal Affairs. He was just a detective who, who sniffed out some crooked cops. And he goes I to, I think he enlists the help of, of Internal yeah. Affairs. Yeah. If you have yeah, any yeah. questions about the Special Victims Unit, <laughs> then we can go directly to you. Yeah. You're D'Onofrio, man. Yeah. <laughs> No, he's he's criminal intent. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I watched Sinead O'Connor play at City Winery last year with Vincent D'Onofrio sitting where you are. Really? I didn't say a word to him. I was just like, "That's insanely weird." And he was just like singing along with his eyes closed to "This is the Last Day of Our Acquaintance." And really? I was like, "This is a beautiful moment." But anyway, he doesn't come off as a Sinead guy to me. No, he was on a date for sure, and that was oh, one of the songs that he okay. was like, "Oh, all right, I know, I know this, this song." Jam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll play it off. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he is an actor after all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, um, An act for a night to enjoy Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, and she yeah. was really good that night. I have to say, is she still bald? Yeah, she was bald, newly bald again. For like a bick or like just like no, a little electric. fuzz. Little fuzz. Little fuzz. That's cool. Like the underarm hair in the Weird Al video. Not <laughs> much you. hair. Gotcha. <laughs> but just spread across her I head. Mean, all right, so back but to the, your yeah, fire. I, yeah. So uh, what I can say is I'm sure if I shadowed any of my family members as police over the entire arc of their career as police, I would have seen things that I would have now as a 36 year old person in the world informed by the things I've been informed by since seeing that bumper sticker on Kurt Cobain's guitar. I'm sure there's shit they did that I would think was less than stellar or admirable. I think you exist in the context in which you exist. And I think that unfortunately there is a lot of systemic rot in those institutions and there's a lot of like antiquated attitudes. I knew a kid I really liked I went to high school with whose name I was about to say and won't who became a cop, lived his whole life on the South Shore of Staten Island, went to the academy and was put into Brownsville. That is not a winning equation. Your attitudes are formed by living in this one place where his exposure to any kind of minority community or non-Western European ethnic community was nil. And then it's like you are immediately sort of part of their training should be preparedness for that kind of thing. And maybe to some extent it is, I don't know. But I remember speaking to him and being kind of shocked that this dude was in this place and well, so, it's, a na- it's a naive point of view, isn't it? You know, because and not not to mention that it, it would be tough enough if you took a person with that background and put him in an all, you know, a black working establishment any, or, or an education or anything. They would feel that there's like a cultural step that which I have inc- to go over to figure out what the fuck is going on around here. And which incidentally, anyone in any marginalized or minority community feels all the fucking time. Right. So, well, <laughs> you and know, that's it's where, sort I mean, of- if you put it on the other foot, it's like, how are you supposed to feel when like a 23 year old 
kid, essentially, from another neighborhood yes. who knows nothing about your culture, nothing about your neighborhood. Or your reality. Not only is showing up there, but is showing up there and or Weaponized. harassing yeah. in uniform, like, with weapons. Like, yeah, that's like, that's something that 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 I think people are maybe naive about. But to speak, and, and that point leads to speak directly to your question, which I don't think I did yet directly to your first question about how it informs how I see things now. Uh, the moment we're in now, I feel like because of where I grew up, how I grew up and the people I grew up around, there is a part of me that like, that is exactly true. The scenario you just described. And I also still feel like there is a part in the human experience to also allocate some degree of empathy for the person who is the 23 year old in that situation who doesn't really know better, sure, but is in, I'm not saying that person deserves the majority of my consideration or empathy because he is ultimately the representative of systemic power and has a weapon in his pocket, but deserves a portion. He's still a person. And there's an amount of the, how I feel about all this stuff now is like, for lack of a less ridiculous, uh, cautious and sad, intellectually cautious and sad. Like you don't want to, I don't want to, you want to like listen and learn and be open. And you also don't want to like um, say the wrong thing, but you are inevitably going to say the wrong thing in some direction because it's like minefield well, yeah, stuff in both directions. It's all gray area. It's I mean, all only all gray, area. gray area. So I guess like where I, cause when I was listening to the song, I was thinking about it and I was like, I thought it was really brave to put on, but I was also like wanted to ask you, like, I guess why? Because to me, it's like, it's not like you're in propaganda. Like, you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to make this public. You don't have to write a song about it. You don't have to deal with those six people having to hear it. What sort of made it for you that it was important to sort of write the song and put it on the record? For lack of a less music interviewee sounding answer, it's the true answer. And so this is what I think. I am not in propaganda, but I also am not like Josh Groban. There is some amount of song. I, there is some percentage of my songwriting on every record I've made since 2003. Yeah, you have a political that history. Has, that it, well, has dealt with, I would say, like social justice issues to some extent. There's also a large percentage of it that's not about that at all. When I am moved to do that, I do it and I try to not ask too many questions of myself along that process because I'll stop doing it if I do. So what happened was I went to two Black Lives Matter rallies or Black Lives Matter centric rallies. I mean, there were other groups there after Eric Garner, I think it was. And I went to one with Matthew from Not A Surf and and a few other people and went to one with two friends of mine I grew up with. And after that second one, it just happened. There was just a day where the, I, it was like a little fire in your brain and the thing, it's like any other song you were going to write that where the thing where you're like pacing around the kitchen trying to figure out the chord progression that completes the thought or the couplet that completes the thought. But the thing that was being written about was Freddie Gray. And actually, I'm sorry. Yes, the first one was for Eric Garner and the second one was for Freddie Gray. And around Freddie Gray. And then it felt like if I didn't, no one gives a shit besides me. It ultimately is how I feel about this. And if I didn't finish it, I would have felt like I blinked in in, in that exchange with myself. And I also felt like 
I have a friend who's like a kind of card carrying Marxist, really smart, really contrarian dude who I've known forever and who pushes me in a lot of directions to think about things I might not think about certain ways. And I remember talking to him about this a while ago and he was like, that's a very specific experience that you have that isn't something that a lot of people have. Somebody who is, you are like a straight white man, but you are also like someone who grew up influenced by a kind of radical underground politicized music world that also has all these like cops in your family. And so to speak to that, I feel like if you're going to write, if I'm going to write a song about what happened to Freddie Gray, part of me writing that song has to be personalizing it to an extent that I, my voice even on any level deserves to be in the room part of that conversation because kind of, I just feel like, um, too many people's voices are in that conversation that don't need to be. And maybe I thought that one, one way to have some currency in that conversation is to hyper-personalize it, to put some skin in it. Um, and if that makes sense, that's part of why. I mean, it sounds like, yeah. you know, you went to a rally and, and as you know, you would write a love song or any other kind of song. It was sort of an emotional response. That is what I to... would say. And then it becomes a songwriting thing too. You, you're trying to, I don't like songs that point at me, but I also don't like songs that are like, we are the world or whatever. I feel like it's uh, a pretty good song. You know what I mean though? I feel like. I, I, Imagine you thought of yourself wearing those headphones, though. <laughs> yeah, alone in my kitchen with yeah. the one ear. Covered. What was Michael Jackson's pet monkey? Oh. Bubbles. Yeah, Bubbles. was Bubbles in the video for We Are the World? Was he holding them? I don't. I remember. feel like he was. I, I definitely been. had the seven inch, and it had photos of them all over it. I do imagine Michael Jackson, and I imagine not only Bubbles, but I imagine Bubbles in like a Sergeant Pepper's jacket. That's what I'm, I feel like he. Well, yeah. MJ definitely was at that point. Yeah. He might have been fresh off buying the oh, Beatles yeah. catalog was and was cool. like, yeah. Was anyway, his, his Beatles face. Yeah, I, I don't know if that. Sorry, makes I, just any sense. Stand up that I guess song. the thing that I I struggle with, and this is like sort of hard stuff to talk about. No, I don't. I don't. I'm happy to talk Jonah, about this it. This is a safe place. This you is a safe that. place. Well, it's interesting what you say because I feel like, yeah, like what you're saying is true. Like too many voices, like like the three of us have a very certain perspective on things and like can't totally understand what it's like to be on the other side, no matter how much you try to sure. imagine. But at the same time, like you're a human being, you have like informed opinions on things like it's like I feel like sometimes being totally like left out of any kind of dialogue because of that can also be like almost like detrimental way because it's like no I'm like I'm with you guys like I agree and it's like shut up you don't understand anything I think that that was part of the thought process in writing the song too and I think it's like pretty again that song's very very uh, that was another aesthetic choice I guess was to try to communicate as directly as possible without that story doesn't need poetry anyway to be impactful it's pretty impactful without you know flowers but um but i think that the whole third verse of that song is basically about saying like i know i can't know exactly what this experience is like i will i'm not trying to say that i i could and i would never try to say that i couldn't in fact i think what you're saying is correct and i also think i'm not parsing my language to be like uh cautious i'm parsing it to try to get the words right i feel like the that instinct on the far left or from marginalized communities to say like no you can't 
be part of this conversation is a corrective to so much this avalanche of horseshit from the other side that's like no it's racist to say i don't know what it's like to be it's like no it's not it is you're talking about perspectives you're talking about lived experience but i think sometimes and i again am saying this from the position of being someone who is unconsciously privileged all the time but i do think that sometimes that can be an overcorrective because you can shut out advocates and allies but i do understand where that impulse comes from right uh i can also bring this to a place of relative levity fairly quickly which is to say that after that song was written lived in my mind for a while it was out for a while <laughs> that Macklemore song came out, which uh, was about white privilege, which, white privilege. And I have already like uh, this happened the other day at Made in America Festival. I was walking back from like getting paid, and these dudes that were working at one of the fucking vending things were like, "Yo, what's up, Macklemore?" And I was like, "Oh God!" Yeah. <laughs> and I had this moment of like all these serious things we're talking about and serious layered considerations. And I was like, you're also another redheaded white guy who's putting out a song about white privilege after the prime redheaded white guy put out a song (laughs) called white privilege. And then I was like, that's not strong enough to remove it from the track listing, but you know, mindful. it's a a tricky thing too, though. I mean, I think, and and that's the funny thing is, is if you ask like a Nazi, I'm not even white. But I'm gonna stand. Right, I'm gonna right. stand up for for white people to a point anyway. I think like the way we define white privilege has become a bit of a problem. Like even the way we define it, I believe, is causing some of this counter reaction because coming from I, I come from a place of a lot of like working class white people, yes. and like the idea that like to to a guy who's let's just take the example of somebody who's who's not exactly an intellectual, okay? They don't think too deeply into situations. They see what they see. Maybe they just don't have an interest in that type of thing. And they work a job that gets them up at 6 o'clock every morning. They trudge. They do something hard. They do something physical. They come home. They watch their kids. They do all this shit. Workers. The last thing somebody like that wants to hear is that I'm living with a privilege that somebody else doesn't have. And I think all the the nuance that people who decide to really look into these situations can find, we can find and you can easily find the places where we are at an advantage simply because of the color of our skin and the construct of everything around us. But I think the language and the way it's been approached has sort of half created the Trump thing. Well, I think that I do think that I, I I grew up with in the same circumstances with the same people, you know. I, I know exactly what you mean, and I, I mean, I and and not to be, I feel like some amount of this could sound like you're like trying to like claim your space or like have your rep as this working class guy. But I will say, like, I remember growing up, and I remember there being conversations about like making rent payments, and I remember like reading um, Huck Finn and like going into my younger brother's room and being like, like hearing my parents having these like pitched conversations and being like. I thought it was awesome because we were on this like poor adventure. Oh, right. And my right, brother right. started fucking weeping. He was like, what do you mean? Like he thought it meant like we were going to like lose. And my dad <laughs> came and was like, don't you say that, you know. But uh, but but I think you're totally right in that experience. A lot of the people that, that like generations long people, dudes in Bay Ridge that 
neighbors of mine that work on fucking construction teams, they don't want to hear about that because they're just trying to like right. get overtime or, or whatever. I'm not trying to say I believe white privilege exists. Oh, it's inarguable, but I know what you're saying. with white privilege, yes. but there is no way to explain to them the the minutia of like what white privilege is. Well, and so it's much... It's not going to come across. And who's to say it's incumbent upon... Um, whatever word you want to use, minority communities, marginalized communities, communities that aren't cis white men, whatever. I mean, that word cis, for example, I didn't know what that was till two years ago. Someone called me out online for something I reposted and used that, that Ooh, what language. Is that? I don't even know. I think that is a categorizer for someone who's white, sexual. straight, like white, straight. Uh, I don't know if it's ra- if there's a, a race thing. I think it's a a sexual uh, uh. like gender a gendered thinking thing where it's like um, how you define your sexual interest. I think cis is is meant to be the the most normative of those like man to woman, woman to men. You know, we actually CIS. CIS. We did CIS. we did a podcast with uh, sounds an, like another Anika, law and order to me. <laughs> who used to be in Trumped. And do you know her? Oh yeah, and yeah. We, yep. she, we did all this. Stuff I know about, who she is. I don't know her person. She's great. But she did all this, talked all this stuff about gender binaries and all this stuff that was way over my head. But and I had I'm her sure, explain it to me. So go back and listen to that podcast. I was going to say, right. in, in fact, instead of us going forward there, because I'm sure <laughs> yeah. she's probably more yeah, yeah, nuanced she, and, and so inte- intelligent and about it. I, I do feel like some of those, some of like that vocabulary, though, like not that in particular, but like when someone's like, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, that seems problem. Like, everything's like problematic. Yes, no, and that goes back. Yes. And I'm just like, like well, And that's a- just going to embolden the people that you're trying to open their eyes to. That That's that's where I see and I, the but, problem. But I think it's like a lot of what Kevin says. Like, I think a lot of that stuff is a, is a overcorrection. It's a correction right. that a correction. then gets to... That's how I feel. I feel, yeah. and I feel that... I'm just going to put words in Kevin's no, mouth. No, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's Jonah, like, that's just, bullshit. Like yeah. what Kevin said. Let's talk <laughs> as if Kevin's not... Yeah, yeah. That would be an interesting way to approach yeah, it. Yeah, but I, th- I think... But <laughs> I, th- think I, think, I think... I think Kevin Divine, his insight on this would yeah. be... No, yeah. but I, I, think, I think it's the same thing. I think it's like, I can't imagine going to college right now. Like, I think, like, it... Like, this stuff is so crazy. Like, I think just, like, shouting down people who don't agree with you... Like not wanting to hear any dissenting opinions. Like I do think there's like been like this crazy shift, and it's almost like now it's like too much. Like you can't do anything if it doesn't fit into this box. Which is, and I think that as a person who is sensitive to this, feels to me like I what what maybe like remember the movie PCU? Oh yes, like '90s kind right. of kind of campus culture, but sort of steroid addled. And it must and and how could it not be? Because with the the advancement of social media and 24-hour access to everything all the time. Sure. How could things not be elevated? Get and, the meat tossers. And, right, but it's yeah. like, <laughs> but the megaphone's a lot wider and, right. and all, a lot more pointless, sure. the, what, it, what it projects. Um, and Jeremy Piven has much more hair now. Yeah, much he, more hair he now. He looks about 20 <laughs> much, years younger than much, he did in Much more know. hair now. Yeah. Jeremy Piven is Benjamin Button. Yeah, he's he going, is. He's That's the takeaway from this entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like uh, I think that is a corrective as somebody who spends a lot of time at shows around people that are younger than him. And as somebody who is sensitive to wanting to not think I can't learn from people that are younger than him. I, I, there is a lot of this that I think is important and good and valuable. And I also think like a lot of things, again, it's not for me to determine whether 
I just, I'm trying to listen more, but then I'm trying to not be prone to my own overcorrecting to start thinking that everything I've ever thought needs to be fucking dismantled because that's not true either. Right. And, and it's some not of functional, well, it's not functional. It's not functional. And some of what's, I hate to say this because it might sound a little bit like crotchety or this is a safe space. Kevin. No, well, <laughs> what I was going to say is I feel like some of this as invariably happens in every cultural movement that is fronted by and advanced by and and fueled by the enthusiasm and vigor of younger people burns off and some of the lessons of it stick and some of the lessons of it turn out to be over with the benefit of time sure to not have been the next right thing there's no way to know that in the middle of it and you are fueled and and on fire with the this holy awareness of of being a change agent and that's how fucking things happen and i'm great with that but not all of it's right but because see, not right, all of it's but, ever right but it's also like such like a weird slippery stuff like i feel like i'll be like oh i want to watch this like christopher hitchens thing on youtube and then it's like like a sam harris thing on islam i'm like oh this is cool and then it's like four steps later it's like they're bringing up videos or it's like shouting down feminists at like rally like yeah, yeah. i like, can't like can't sort of these things exist without it just being like so far to yeah. one crazy that's extreme. exactly a point i was gonna make and that's the thing with kevin where i said it, sometimes it doesn't feel functional like I'm living in this weird space currently where, I mean, I was born liberal. I've stayed liberal. If anything, this Trump thing and things like that have only pushed bold in my yeah. own position to actually believe in what I believe in more. But the, if there's one thing I've become familiar with in life is now division. It's like the thing I'm used to. It's like this side saying this and this side saying this is so old to me now that it seems... Like it's going to stay like it's always going to be there. And it's these like throwing bottles of like right, wrong, right, wrong, which feel dogmatic to me inside of government and relentless when government yeah. is supposed to be or at least democratic government is supposed theoretically, to be theoretically about compromise okay. and or all at I'm least hearing, dialogue at the very least dialogue he's talking right. about. Yeah. It. And that's where like. I recently have been exploring the mindset of liberals a lot because when something like Trump happens, there's always to me like there's always been someone like that. There's always been a Pat Robertson, a David Duke. Uh, uh, there's always been this like no, he's this he... this figurehead that's like represented that those people. They've always been there. And I can't help but wonder what created it to a point that it's at this time and i have to think that like seven years as a of a black president and seven years of essentially being told your culture is wrong this culture is right we're just generally smarter and you should believe us has half caused what we're dealing with now i think there are a mil i think that's fair and and i think accurate and i think there are a million things you could postulate about why this has happened i I, you know and what this even is and maybe what this ends up really being which is what it's like what happens 10 or 12 years from now yeah that thing that concerns me primarily i mean i'm concerned about him becoming the leader of the free world for however long that is still true but i am primarily concerned about even if he loses what happens with the millions of people thinking mar- pre- heretofore marginal, radical, 
crazy kind of shit that has now been mainstreamed by his mm. or or more mainstreamed Organized. by his yeah that's what i'm more concerned about because i don't think it's like he's going to lose the election and all these people are going to go well we were wrong you know right. it's, if they've never actually been more emboldened it's true and so um but i think a lot of what you're saying you know i think that um on the so you tend to see these things as like uh like a straight line left and right but really when you get to these like hyper rigid dogmatic places it's a circle and they're like right next to each other Mm -hmm. you know in some respects like the maybe super radical marxist isn't as far ideologically from like some real hardline right-wing militia motherfucker because neither really has a lot of room whether the saint is is carl or the you know the saint is some vague religi- religiosity or something if you're sainting anyone there's not a lot of room for an alternative uh, for a conversation actually right. you can't really have a conversation if you've already decided the other party's wrong right and i think part of what when we talk about and a lot of this is uh, you uh, some ham-fisted attempting to grapple with some of this is present on the record like i feel like part of how you get there is what you're talking about it's also like september 11th just happened i think what happened in the reaction the the years reacting to that how we react not we uh, the people we tend to know but we as a country we we as yeah the royal we the royal the editorial we uh how reacted to that you know i i just i think there's a lot of there was a big trauma point and then I think how everything kind of wrapped itself around that or really kind of scattered to the corners away from that. Everything just kind of got really pitched and really far. Yeah. And um, so kind of like anything that comes from that, like how does Trump happen? Because like if people spend 15 years watching Fox News exclusively yeah. and and on the drive to and from the jobs you're describing, listening to... Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity exclusively and the other people will spend those drives only right the other people spend those drives only listening to NPR right and at home only watching MSNBC or whatever it is like everything's pretty uh calcified and 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 you can't really there's not a lot of movement that can happen and is that an opiate like we just had Justin Pearson on and we talked about this and something similar came up and he basically came back to like, well, left, right. It doesn't matter. It's like we're all getting played by the, you know, string, the string movers. Well, the, I mean, not the less than the point zero one percent who are attempting to cause this havoc to to do whatever they want freely. And that's the stuff where I, I mean, I don't I'm not smart enough to get into like worldwide interweaving you know, yeah, but you got the internet. I do have the you internet. Can, I'm not smart enough to use the World dude, Wide Web or whatever it's called. Kevin, and you can you have a whole vinyl series, yeah. Kevin. I'm not smart I mean, enough to have a web. Dude, no, but I think you don't even need you don't need facts. You need nothing. You don't need start facts. your blog. You don't need and facts. Just present it as truth, and it's real. That's that, that is that that's is the actually you might have what we're dealing. But with you might have that is the moment we're in. And I would just say before we, you know, I I do think that you know it's that is a really scary thing that is that does feel a little different now is that there is i feel like it is noteworthy that this is the this this 
candidate is really, really uh, removed from any kind of um, basis in fact about anything. And when pressed about that, well, first of all, I don't somehow is totally Teflon and slithers right through it. That does feel a little different to me. The level of factlessness, rootlessness in that way feels a little different to me. And but that's it, him seizing the times. You know, I literally went onto the internet recently and nearly convinced myself the Holocaust didn't happen. Well, because of how much information there is to and that not end. just like not just like ah, fucking Jews information, like really well like nice laid out squarespace work yeah people are you know what i mean like <laughs> we, we had images we had bibliographies like like i'm talking like something that comes off like a reference graduate book. school report. and by the end of it i'm like oh geez hmm and and it's because like you could say whatever the fuck it's and if scary you go onto the internet wanting to believe the holocaust you will didn't happen come away from there's yes. more than enough to like go this is like me going that. on like medical sites and being like, I'm going to die. Which that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It is. It's and and it's kind of scary. That's actually very scary. And I do actually think there is something to be said for, um, like I have a friend that goes and watches like the. This is really grisly, but like you know execution videos and stuff that like ISIS will yeah. post because it's happening and I want to see it. Yeah. And I'm like, I totally understand that mindset. And I know it's happening and I don't want to see that. I don't, I feel like there's a bridge that I can cross with that stuff where I, some part of your brain's not coming back after you've exposed yourself yeah. fully to all of that stuff. And I have to do it to stay liberal. You have to do what? Watch the beheading videos. You've, you've like, watched them before? Yeah. And really? I do it because I don't want to be told by the other side that I'm being naive. Right. You know, like I understand that's that. the reason I understand why I expose myself to is so someone can't be like, you don't understand the horrors of you. No, I get like, it. No, I, I get it. These it. motherfuckers behead people as the worst shit ever. Moving on. Like, but I don't want that <laughs> to be like used against me in the conversation. No, I, that, I, that is fair. You want to steal yourself for steely times. Speaking of racism, but, Kevin. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this has been this is good. Yeah, this is, well, this no, feels more like the uh like Bill Moyers well, or something. something yeah. This is something that might really hit near and dear to the heart that I think about often. You're an authentic redheaded guy. I am an authentic True, redheaded guy. Authentic redheaded guy. Why I, tell me this. This I've no idea. Why where this is are go. redheads like for some reason? Like the only group Still of don't people know. Yeah. who have a physical characteristic that everyone is allowed to fuck with <laughs> and say a name and call it this and call it that. And there's no anti-defamation league for the redheaded. There's no like, like what's the difference between your whole body being covered in red hair and your skin My being a different body. color? Like for those that can't see, yeah, I'm like the Toxic Avenger the visual, or something. Yeah, Kevin is yeah. just covered or like, yeah. in red fur. He looks That's like right. a yeah, sesame. I That's right. right. And I have a lot of redhead. In my 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 mom's a redhead. My grand. Like, but like I have ginger. a lot of it too. But like, yeah. I'm not allowed to call. Well, I'm allowed to call Jonah a kite, but you're not. That's but I've been called, a, Thank gin you for I've been called me a ginger too, and I feel like I'm that super but gingery. Why but. can anyone, white, black, Spanish, Jewish, whatever, call you a ginger and go away unfettered? Why I'm gonna, happen? I'm gonna suggest, please, that unionize. No, I'm okay with that, and here's why: if there is one, 
There is no class issue at play here. There is no functional social, um, besides just a little red meat, a little meanness. (laughs) It doesn't have any kind of like, it doesn't affect me from getting work. It doesn't affect me from, so what I would say is. How do you know though? Well, because I mean, I'm fucking, I'm doing great. You know, well, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> financially, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, no, I, what I mean is, if there's a <laughs> if there's a playful place for people to put their bullshit, and it needs to be on redheads, then we'll accept that. I definitely you're speaking. For I'm speaking all for all the redheads. Okay. I would say though, I never thought I'd, I was ever mindful of that at all. Ever. And I feel like the ginger thing is actually kind of a relative. I don't remember that when I was a kid. I, don't really, I still don't understand I don't it either. I really remember it either. Red. But now, like, I feel like just because I have so many commute, like Lucy K or Bill yeah. Burr, all these guys, and they always have to, like, sort of almost bring it up to diffuse people. And right. Conan. Yeah. I feel like there's also, I didn't know when I was in Australia once, they told me bluey was a word for what? it, which I thought was funny. But what I was going to say is something that, like, on the Macklemore tip, Right. It is awesome. Oh, lead me down. And I don't market. mind redheadedness for this purpose. Like on the R train going through Sunset Park when I had longer hair, like kind of a bowl haircut, 2002 maybe. And these kids would like, without fail, weekly, someone would go, <laughs> what up, Scooby-Doo? <laughs> <laughs> Not Shaggy, but the dog. And they meant Shaggy. And you know, like if you can't laugh at that you two taking life too seriously i would just sit there and laugh my ass off and like wave at them and stuff and kids would be like yo look at (laughs) scooby-doo and i'd be like it is scooby-doo that's me i i'm surprised by this because you're such a you're such an open man to so many things and and you're (laughs) Uh, that's a that's great such a like i mean I maybe like this this white defeatism has gone too far. Like you can protect yourself. No, listen, I stand up for me. I stick up for me. But I'm just saying that I feel like that's that's harmless. And that is an attack. They were really like they were stoked. They thought they were seeing a celebrity. (laughs) Scooby Doo. You smoke enough weed, you think Scooby Doo? (laughs) Yeah, I'm Scooby Doo walking around. Yeah. One time I was on a combination of. ecstasy ketamine and weed and i thought an old wooden door in my apartment turned into woody allen that's how like verbal my brain i was looked at it and i was like it was old wood (laughs) and the combination of chemicals was like woody allen and i turned to my friend i was like yo dude 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 dude, chill out chill out but woody allen is in the apartment he was like what the fuck are you talking about did you chat to him no, he was just like in the corner, Woody Allening like out, doing nebbishy shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, is nebbishy an insensitive word? Probably. You're not allowed to. No, <laughs> see, this is hype. This is an overcorrection. No, ne- ne- nebbish, I don't think that's an exclusively no. Jewish term. I no. think it's associated with. I th- yeah, I think it was probably once okay, and a bunch of people were like, ah, nebbish, nebs, fucking nebs. And then somebody was like, oh, that's <laughs> fucking nebs. That is fucking nebs. Uh, this, so it's probably, I bet somebody's got a fucking problem with it. Someone has I'm a sure. problem with everything. I'm yeah. sure. I had a tangential cop question. Go. You're driving. You have this history, all these cops in your family. You get pulled over. Mm-hmm. Not like, not pulled over for like high speed chase. Like you're pulled over for like your blinkers out. Speeding or yeah. something. Yeah. Do you have like some kind of special card, like some code word? So my dad passed away in 2003. Okay. They, until that point, and then I think for maybe two or three years afterwards, there is a a PBA 
Policeman's Benevolence Association. It's basically like a and the family social card, card is like the gold card, right? <laughs> get out of jail free kind of thing. <laughs> they sent it was it was like I, if I remember correctly, there were like eagles maybe wearing like cop hats, <laughs> flags. But but uh, my mom had one and I had one. How big is it? Like credit it's like a card, card size? yeah, okay. credit card size. It was not wholly uh, reliable. Like you could put it on. I would if I was like parking somewhere that maybe I shouldn't have parked. I would like put it on the dashboard and I'd come back and sometimes there'd be like a ticket and sometimes there wouldn't because well, parking people aren't cops they're right they're a whole so different they don't thing care. i've never had it happen where i got pulled over and would like, you pass that with the license I, that or? is yeah, something is that, that i was goes? yeah i think you okay. would and okay. i i think i did so it's supposed to remain unsaid it's like you're not like, like you know my dad was a cop so well, you just like slip the card i in think with that your stuff. i am by the way you may get someone who knows more about this in the police community might be like that's bullshit that's not how that works yeah, that's, that's what my memory was that's fine i'm just asking you my your memory. personal experience i can tell you though once i did i was on my phone and this was two years ago this was a decade after and i got pulled over and i was like it was one of those days where you're scrambling between five things you're like trying to like leaving for tour or something you're trying to like get shit done and i was like ah fuck it i'll just do this quick and a cop it was on wife and a cop pulled me over and i was like look dude and i just was like this is white privilege by the way at right. play my brother pointed this out to me after he's like oh that's what that is but i was like look i'm I, i'm late for work i'm trying to do this i'm trying to do that you know, I said something like my dad was a cop and the guy was like, just fucking go. Yeah. And I was like, great. Uh, but once I also did get pulled over for speeding in Arizona and I told the cop, I, I don't know what this was like. You're on tour too long. It's like a month. My brain was kind of fried and I turned to the cop. I was 10. I was 11 miles an hour over. And I remember vividly my dad one day when I was a kid being like, this is also not like gospel fact at all. But he was like, you can get up to like 11 over and they won't pull you over. <laughs> so I was, that's been in my head like no, as that's though that's true. Because the 11 to 12 is the cutoff from a two point to a four point ticket. Isn't well, it? maybe this is then. So maybe he was saying something. There's a scale something. of how fast I don't know, you're narc, going. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> This isn't narc. This is a twenty-year-old Benny had fourteen points. On That's his what license. it was. So yeah, I had a lot yeah. Of experience you did here. like five years for traffic related. I, I had to. I had a car that I was financing. That I was twenty years old needed full coverage on it in New Jersey. My insurance, high risk insurance, went up to seventy-five hundred dollars a year. Jesus Christ! So I had to pull the car off the road, but continue to pay my finance payments Ugh. while I took the. Middlesex uh, County bus. Oh Jesus! To, to County College, reliable like Middlesex that. County bus. It was all right. It's NJ Trans. It's That's cool. oh, okay. That's yeah, legit. It's fine. We're in a good level. But I but, was like the only white kid reading Harry Potter. Yeah. On, on this thing, which which is sometimes why I'm like, I want to avoid privilege. Right. I read Harry because Potter. I read Harry Potter <laughs> on a public bus like three times. Yeah. <laughs> So you're, you're 11 miles over. Yeah, 11 cop, miles over, sorry. The, it's no, okay. it's okay. The, they're very good. It's like you've done this before. Yeah, the, I've done a couple times. The cop pulls me over and says, like, you're, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And I, I was, like, indignant. I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, well, why do you think? I was like, speeding. <laughs> and Mark, Mike Strandberg, our guitar player, is in the passenger seat, like, looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And I was like... He was like, well, yeah. And I was like, I was, well, I, I guess I'm just surprised because my, <laughs> because my father was a cop in New York 
uh, for 33 years, and he told me that if you're up to 11 miles an hour over, you should be okay. And I know I was going 76 and 65, and the guy was like, <laughs> and the guy was like, well, that's not what my gun read or whatever. And I said to him, well, then it must have been 77. And the cop was like, is there a problem, sir? Like was... <laughs> you were starting shit. Yeah, my guitar player, like the minute he walked away, who's a very mild guy, was like, yo, what are you doing, dude? Like, stop. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. Like this, I was really like going to win. I wanted to like win the argument and have right. him be like, you're right, dude. Yeah, that's uh, true. I what guess if, I'm what just if... surprised. Yeah. You should be surprised. Should be what surprised. am I doing here? What was the end game to that? Did you think in like five minutes he's going to be like... Right, Wait, so what, and what, then this kid's a straight his, shooter. He just puts his badge down on the hood of your car and just walks off. Yeah, what, yeah. What, my life's been like, a lie. So what yeah. happened? He went back and wrote you a ticket? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure on the way he tried to like look around and like, kicked out one of the taillights and was like, and your taillights out too. No, it was just, he basically wrote that. that I have a question out. tying into this. Too much laughing. Too much laughing going on. No, this is good. Jesus sorry. God, sorry. I feel like we went from we've gone from laughing to like pretty heavy <laughs> yeah. sociological well, we examination. Well, so. it should all be a mix of everything it should because be. in the end, it's all stupidly hilarious for the fact that we all know nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean that's that's what in the end that's what's funny. But we had Sturgeon from Leftover Crack on, who has a lot of opinions about police and stuff like that. Uh you know, critical, but from uh, a much different point of view. Sure. And uh, it's a lot to be critical of. I asked him and it's something I've always wondered because I've known some really good cops in my life. Good people that more often than not, if you took it like a percentage, like one out of 10, is it, is there something about being a police officer that draws a certain person to the job? Mm. Or do good people get changed by the infrastructure? Like, like is a good person brought into to the world they're brought into and things become compromised for them? Or is there naturally a type of person that gets drawn to being in that position? You know, he was like, I forget the exact, but he's like, not all of them, but most of them are essentially people with power trips, people with certain things to prove that want to become cops. I am sort of in the middle. It's probably both. I'm just curious if you're, I can only speak to my, my own experience of it. And and it was like, if my family, if my great grandfather had been a baker, I think all those people I just listed would have been bakers. Like if he ran a bakery, they, it just was like a family business. And I think for a lot of people, particularly Irish to a lesser extent, maybe Italian, but I think, you know, that, that conversation we had earlier about assimilation, it's, you have the benefit now of 150 or 160 years of hindsight. It took a long time for all those fucking people to assimilate. And sure. all of those people for a long time here were like, need not apply. Rest, it, resisted. You know, against, yeah. uh, so I think that for particularly in the early 20th century, uh, part of that process, it was almost like, being becoming a postman or, a, or or working for the MTA, whatever it was then, mm. if it was the MTA or not, it was like a civic job that right. gave you some stability, some kind of income. It's the same. I, I think it's the same reason. It's like, do a lot of soldiers have power trips or want to go kill people? Maybe I think a lot of them want to go to college too. So that's or interesting. Have, that that's my family experience. Do you think that like a lot of 
the Irish, especially specifically New York Irish, leading into being firemen and cops, I always saw that as some sort of just kind of bizarre cultural fallout. But do you think it was in a response to so much, you know, oppression the Irish felt when they came to America and a need to, like, want to really become a part of, like, the, the system they're in? Ideally, like, I think to some extent it was what what more American thing to embrace in some sense than sure. those institutions. But I also... Than law enforcement. But what yeah. I also really think is that... Um, to some extent, it's kind of like the the workers we were talking about earlier, the dudes we grew up with or the, the people we grew up with that, that work, work these jobs that you're talking about that are less like um, <clears throat> cerebral or whatever and more kind of physical or whatever. I kind of think those two jobs were seen as an extension of that mm -hmm. world. It sure. was like, you know, at a time it was like my grandfather worked the docks too. It was like these things were like what was available. Right. And there was an upward mobility component and a stability to that. I don't even know if they were thinking about it this deeply, to right. be quite honest. Like that, sure. that, and I think with people like my dad, who was a really smart guy and who, you know, was a real like voracious reader and you know had a, a very intellectual component of his personality but also was like a dude who was born in 1935 in park slope in a two-room apartment with six brothers you know like and sisters it was like what do you do when he was 20 he enlisted in the military and he went it was between korea and vietnam and when he came back well what do you do for work take the cops test that yeah. i just think that's what that whole thing kind of was yeah. um and i think that that is in some way uh reflected in the fact that none of my generation of my family i said two cousins did but like my brother and i my younger brother actually told me that i didn't i never knew this he had a moment of considering it hmm. seriously more to continue the family really business because huh. he was a, he was the last one and he had this awareness that like oh shit if i don't do it no more cops. it like skipped a generation or, huh. or died with our sure i never thought about it it didn't suit my personality are you and my, my oldest brother no i have well i come from a family of six but my dad was married once before okay so i have four older half siblings i'm the older of my my brother and i gotcha but uh but depending i'm either fifth of six or the oldest depending on which you know vantage point you take i think from the you family. can use it for whatever conversation you're in yeah oh yeah. i know totally what it's like to be the fifth dude. yeah yeah <laughs> everyone talks about that all the time <laughs> classic fifth kids classic. syndrome <laughs> but uh but no i i think that yeah i i i really think what their their motivations were that to answer the second part of that about the kind whether it changes you i know something my father said a lot and again i did not agree with my father politically ideologically about a great many things i i'm sure my father probably voted for the republican candidate for president every election he voted in in his life okay maybe with one or two exceptions maybe he voted for kennedy because he was catholic i don't know but <laughs> but most you know um <clears throat> but i also know like he was more or less a fair person my experience of him was sure. that i'm sure there are other people that could argue that but i think that you know, he would say that when you spend your days dealing with the, this is, these words are all loaded and, and, and mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But when you spend your days dealing with the worst elements of 
like I guess whatever you would call the criminal element sure. of a society that changes the way you your suspicions your uh, well, everyone's constantly lying to you yes yeah I'm sure the other side of that is a larger structural conversation about what determines criminality and why those conditions exist and blah 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 sure. blah, blah 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 but if you're living that every day I think it does change you to some extent you know what i would say is that i would say that i've heard things that i would call abstractly prejudice uh in in my you know that world my 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 some of my family maybe some of their friends but i also would say like my father in practice in my life was very 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 uh aware of that not being how I saw the world, you know? And I kind of remember being a kid and doing something stupid when I was like five or six years old in preschool. Uh, That was like, I think I slapped this kid, the one black kid in our class. I think I slapped him on the back. He he had no shirt on for some reason in class. And I remember coming home and saying something about it to my dad. And I must've said something that indicated something prejudicial. And I remember... This is maybe too much for this podcast, but it's just real. I remember safe my dad, place, Kevin. safe place. I he hit me, he smacked me in the face, and he was like, "You don't say that. We don't think stuff like that." Mm. I'll never. I mean, I remember being like, "Okay, you know." I was yeah. five, I was six. I heard it somewhere. Sure, I said it from somewhere, and I remember he. Maybe that was a moment of like, "Oh fuck!" They they hear uh, right, the walls right. have yeah, ears yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. But um, my experience of how my dad actually lived in the world and how, by extension, I would say these family members live in the world is a lot different than this kind of cartoonish, prejudicial cop that hates black people and is like a secret Klansman or something. That's not the people I grew up around. It's nuanced. It's super fucking complicated and nuanced. Uh, And I can't speak to it with any kind of empirical knowledge. I can just say what the people I grew up around were like. Cool. What what would you think about like so you have you have a son you I have, have a daughter you have a daughter five and a half month old okay you have a daughter and say like in a few years for whatever reason you you didn't really bring it around or something like that your daughter just starts like becoming attached to like law enforcement stuff mm-hmm. she's into little toy cop cars and badges and that becomes like just a thing playing. for her yeah. And then eventually she, you know the twelve year old in class what do you want to be when you grow up I want to be a cop my my, you know, grandfather, grandfather was a yeah, cop right, right. and I know it's in my history. Like, is that something, cause I know I, I'm dealing with this now too. I have, I have a, a 10 month old son. It's awesome. And for the first time I'm thinking about like, oh, what the fuck's he going to do? He's going to yeah. do something. He's going to be this. He's going to be drums, shaped. Obviously. Duh. <laughs> yeah, obviously yeah. he's going to have long hair and play drums. Um, and like, <laughs> and podcasts. And you know, <laughs> yeah. at first, like. When you think about these things theoretically, I think it's really easy to be like, whatever they want to do. Of course. As long as they're feeling good about it and they approach it in a certain way and it makes them happy, whatever they want to do. But then I start to think about these things in practicality, like if he really wanted to do this, wow, that's a tougher one than if he chose this. Yeah. And have you considered that at all with like your daughter? No, I hadn't thought about it. And and I feel like... um, when you get there, you get there. Mm. But I, I, but I do feel like I am not going to. 
Um, no, it was like a, that was great for those of you at home. There was like the top of your cold Kevin and brew I bottle. are discussing this, and Jonah is literally <laughs> juggling. <laughs> Whenever people start talking cat. about kids, I'm like, anyway, yeah, exactly. play with my coffee Moving cup. on, you should see when I send a picture of my kid to Jonah. He's just like, oh yeah, fuck you. We have this person on Thursday. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, I am hyper mindful of that, by the way, not to, I'll come back not to get lost in a cul-de-sac, but I feel like I am so aware of not being like the guy that only talks about his kids now to his friends. You're, by the way, yeah. you're, you're, I mean, like, we're not like, I don't talk to you all the time, but you definitely don't have that kind of, I don't associate that with you That's at all. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, you know, I feel like I would, I want to talk, I am going to try and to various degrees of success because that's what all of us are going to do all the time with this shit. I'm going to try to talk to her as honestly as possible about all of that. I don't know if I'm going to like get into like systemic oppression with her when she's seven. Sure. Because she's not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I'm going to try to like, there are, you know, even the most, unless you're an anarchist, even the most like... Um, pointed leftist social critic acknowledges that there is a utility to a well-employed police force of some kind in sure. a culture. It's just when it's a paramilitary unit that is informed by uh, racist structures and then at times employed to uphold those racist <laughs> structures, that isn't really the optimal way to uh, exercise that force, in my opinion. Sure. But do you need cops for things in society? I would argue you do. And so I would, I would, uh, you know, it's above my pay grade to kind of redraw the whole map and figure out exactly how. But I, I do think there is a place for it. And I'm not an anarchist. So I've read Days of War, Nights of Love, and I do think there's some good shit in there. But I'm not, I, I don't subscribe wholly. And, and I think that's what I would talk to my kid about is just, there are good and bad everything. Sure. And there are good and bad people wearing that uniform. Or good and bad is a weird word, but kids understand that language. There are people that will help or hurt. Yeah, I mean, I guess all you can really do is simply put in a level of empathy to their well-being. And I guess they'll decide to do whatever they decide to do and hopefully just bring that empathetic thoughtful side to it and right? you're gonna fuck that up sometimes oh, and sure. they're gonna fuck up yeah. and it's just the, the law of humanity and that's probably the hardest thing is just letting go of not wanting to be perfect about it and then not expecting them to be right perfect because nobody gonna, ever is they're gonna hit the same the same bumps that we did or new ones yeah new ones <clears throat> no yeah, I know. No, I know. no new ones. I, yeah, I don't want to go to uncharted territory. I'm already worried. I I'm a nose picker, and he can already see me doing it. <laughs> he can already see it. And and I'm you know I'm old enough now where I've become confident in my nose picking. If yeah, either like, of you were offended by it or had a problem, that's on you. Fuck you. Don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I do. I'm growing. I'm. I've never I, noticed that about you. I'm not, you the haven't fuck, done it in the two yeah, hours I've been with you today. Old, I didn't get this old to just like care about I'm what you guys think nose. about my nose picking. But if he sees me doing it all the time and he goes to school doing it, he doesn't have that wherewithal yet to be like, hey, fuck you, I pick my nose. Yeah. He's going to be the weird kid. Okay, all his friends are going to be staring at their phones or I'm going to be right. looking at each other. That's right. Or picking their phones with their nose. Yeah. Or, or, oh, or yeah, nose the, with their the phone. The booger app. Yeah, the booger app, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yes. High energy Jonah. <laughs> Woo! Uh, how's that stunt uh, here, Here's the you? thing. Good. Talking about how the police had me 
it reminded me this my kids just started public school so they're they're in the system and not like a month into it like their school is on twitter like a twitter alert came up about how in my neighborhood there was some guy trying to lure kids like into a car in which of course like outfit. sent like all the parents myself into a tizzy i'm like you know signing the girls up for krav maga and arming them but as we were leaving the playground there was a police officer and I was like, all right, girls, let's go meet the, the neighborhood cop. And rightly so, sadly, my girls were like, uh, I don't know if I want to go meet the police. <laughs> and I was like, it's fine. And we walk up and it turned out to be a policewoman. And within like two seconds, the girls went from uh-oh to awesome <laughs> and ran up. And I talked to her for a second. She's like, we hope it's a misunderstanding. We interviewed families. Just keep your kids vigilant. All this stuff you, you need to know anyway. And then before we left, she let my girls grab the walkie-talkie and shout into the loudspeaker. <laughs> what did they shout? Uh, I think they did what most kids do with when confronted with something loud. They went, uh, hi. Uh. <laughs> which was kind of cool. So now they you know, had a good, a good police meeting experience, which I was pleased about. Mm. Shout out to Steven's kids for also leaving me a very nice birthday voicemail. Oh, yeah, man. You got the killer song. They did that, yeah. <laughs> Shout they, out! They, yeah, they, they, they learn they learn one of the Disney non happy birthday happy birthday songs. <laughs> Pretty good one. Wow, you didn't play it for me. I'll play it for you after this. All right, good. <laughs> it's I don't have a licensing to play it over here. Uh, okay, if you like this podcast, can I do? And Brad does by Kevin's record instigator. After you do that, donate to us. Goingofftrack.com. dot com. Leave us a nice review on iTunes. Tweeted us. What else, Steven? Oh, 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 come to our live podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, I forget this every time. November 15th, Brooklyn Bazaar. Tickets on sale now at Word Bookstore. Going off track live with Laura Jane Grace and Dan Ozzie. Release of her book, Tranny. The book is great. Tickets are available now. Dan posted yesterday. Tickets are selling very fast. So you should buy a ticket soon or it'll be sold out. Um, yeah, so come to that. That's another way to support us. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be playing as yes. well as talking. Yes. Like playing people. Yeah. The record you, is great. <laughs> yeah, you should go to that. that I'm not, we don't need to sell you on that. But yeah, and um, I'm glad we mentioned that at the very end <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> and not at the beginning. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.